0: Thank you for joining us as we walk with God. This is Brenda McCord. Walt and I are thankful for this opportunity to participate with the Awakening in America, an outreach of the Himmelreich Memorial Christian Library. Welcome to Walk with God. We are so happy to be with you today, and we look forward to this time each week, opening God's Word, sharing some biblical truths, And then taking time to ask, how can we apply this truth to our hearts and lives? Last week, as we concluded, we said the life journey of Joseph was forced on him as his brothers despised him. They were filled with jealousy. They sold him into slavery. And so these 10 older brothers sent that younger brother that they were jealous of, remember, He had that coat of many colors, he was the favorite of his father Jacob, and he was now sold into slavery and on his way to Egypt. You know, even as that was occurring for Joseph, I I can't even imagine the fear, the horror in his mind of what had taken place that one particular day. But we know that God was sovereignly directing every detail of his life, and that's a good place for us to pause and realize, yes, God is directing the details of our life. We can always say we serve a sovereign God. We have a faithful God, a sovereign God. Even when we can't see him, we know he is working. He's working out the details in the midst of a storm if you're walking in a dark valley at this time, or in Joseph's situation, he was actually sitting in a prison cell. But today, Joseph will stand in Pharaoh's courts. Pharaoh has asked Joseph to be brought out of prison to interpret his genes And Joseph replied, saying, It is not in me. God will give Pharaoh a favorable answer.
1: Well, just a a brief review, um, remembering that the story of Joseph reads like a play with many different acts. In Act 1, we meet Joseph and his ten jealous brothers. In Act 2, Joseph is serving in Potiphar's house and serving faithfully and doing a great job. But then in Act 3, he's falsely accused by Potiphar's unfaithful wife, and Joseph is sitting in prison. And during these 13 years that he was a slave and in prison, the Lord was with Joseph, and he, and he caused all that he did to succeed, but but Joseph is still in prison. After 11 years of being enslaved, Joseph is asked to interpret dreams For Pharaoh's cupbearer and the baker.
0: And it's just, you know, a reminder there, Walt, as you say, because the scriptures tell us right there in Genesis, the Lord was with Joseph, the Lord caused all that he did to succeed, but he was still in a, a hard place. Everything wasn't easy, right? I mean, he was serving Potiphar, and then he was sitting in prison, and those I mean, we can't neg- um, neglect or avoid that 13 years in it, his life.
1: Yeah, and, and, and uh, as you say that, it, it just reminds me of there's, there's times when we just don't get it. But for 13 years, I mean, I, I would be super discouraged. Well, Joseph hears the cupbearer and the baker's uh, dreams. They've been in prison Uh, We don't know why, but they're in prison. Joseph correctly interprets the two with a cupbearer being restored to his previous position and the baker hanged. And two more years would go by as Joseph was forgotten by the cupbearer and he remained in prison. And right here, just I'm, I'm thinking about a head to heart even in my own life. When discouraging things happen in your life, how do you handle them? As a prisoner and a slave, Joseph could have seen his situation as hopeless. But, you know, he continues to do his best with each task assigned to him. He was faithful. And that leads me to ask myself, how am I doing with the small tasks assigned to me? I'm not imprisoned. I'm not a slave. But I have small tasks. How am I doing? Am I faithful in that? Am I committed to working with excellence, even in difficult circumstances, especially in difficult circumstances? Circumstances. Well, Act Four begins. Pharaoh has a dream. He seeks an interpreter. The cupbearer remembers Joseph, and he's called into Pharaoh's court to interpret Pharaoh's dream. And so, let's dig into Genesis forty-one. Pharaoh shares his two dreams with Joseph. One has been able to to interpret the dreams for him. No one has been able to do this, but he shares them with Joseph. and, And there's two dreams. The one is of plump and attractive cows and then really skinny, poor, ugly cows. And those skinny, ugly cows, seven of them, ate the seven plump cows. And then there's a second dream, seven ears growing on one stalk, full and good, but then seven ears withered and thin, and uh, they came up after the good years, and the thin ears swallowed up the seven good ears. And Joseph recognized these two dreams were a direct message from God to Pharaoh. The dreams of Pharaoh are one, he said, God has revealed to Pharaoh what he is about to do. And then Joseph continues on and says, There will come seven years of great plenty through all the, all the land of Egypt, but after them will be, arise seven years of famine. And the famine will consume the land, and it will be very severe. And now as Joseph offers up these words, he gives direction and wisdom to Pharaoh. And again, remember, he's standing before the most powerful yeah. man in the world— and he's a Hebrew man. He's a slave who's just been brought out of prison, as a, a, and, and a slave love, in prison. Yeah, and I
0: love here he's saying God has revealed to Pharaoh. I mean, these 13 years, he's still recognizing God's role and God's presence.
1: Yeah, and, and even as he he speaks boldly to this Egyptian ruler, Um, the mightiest nation on earth at that time, Joseph says this in verse 33, Now therefore let Pharaoh select the discerning and wise man and set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh proceed to appoint overseers and to take one-fifth of the produce of the land of Egypt during the seven plentiful years and let them gather all the food of these good years that are coming and store it up the grain that food may be a reserve for seven years of famine that are to occur in the land of Egypt, that the land might not perish through the famine.
0: Well, as Joseph is speaking these words, God has directed him and he is mapping out a plan for Pharaoh. Again, you know, well, just like you said, I mean, here he is speaking to the most important ruler and, and on earth in that time right yeah
1: and what he's saying is pharaoh i'm i'm giving you the plan that god has given me yeah. now what you got to do is go find the right guy to lead
0: right and he, and you know he's speaking it out right to pharaoh's face and in his court and how will Pharaoh respond to these words? How will he, I mean, will he say off with his head? I mean, he hanged the baker, right? Um, Maybe Pharaoh wouldn't accept these words, but Joseph went in there really with courage and believing that God had put him once again in this place, right? And he stepped into it, believing God was with him, believing that God would continue to give him favor. Well, continuing in Genesis 41 verse 37, this proposal pleased Pharaoh and all his servants. And Pharaoh said to his servants, can we find a man like this in whom is the Spirit of God? And so you you just wonder as all of this is weaving here, that Pharaoh is recognizing, he's hearing, he knows. Joseph is not an Egyptian man. He is a Hebrew young man. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has shown you all this, there is none so discerning and wise as you are. You shall be over my house, and all my people shall order themselves as you command." Only as regards the throne will I be greater than you. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, See, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. Joseph steps into Act 5, holding a position of power second only
1: to Pharaoh. And this seems so unlikely. A, a slave in prison, um, the story takes a sharp Turned. And even as we get there, now Joseph has power. Joseph has a position of authority. And I'm asking the question, at this time, what will we do? What would I do? How would I act? Would I be vengeful and say, it's my time to get back at all those people that have hurt me? Where's Potiphar's wife? Where where are my ten brothers? Is he going to do that, or is he going to continue to trust God? And, and I love even as Pharaoh talks about the authority he gives, um, in this passage, it talks about Pharaoh took a signet ring from his hand and he put it on Joseph's hand and he clothed him in garments of fine linen and put a gold chain about his neck. This is the, the, the way a Pharaoh is, is, is dressed. And he made him ride in his second chariot. He said, this is the number two guy in my whole kingdom. And they called out before him, bow the knee, bow the knee to Pharaoh, but also bow the knee to Joseph. And he set him, over all the land of Egypt, more of a Pharaoh said to Joseph, I'm Pharaoh, and without your consent, no one shall lift up a hand or a foot in all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh gave him in marriage to an Egyptian woman, so Joseph went out over the land of Egypt for 7 years of plenty. What what authority, what power?
0: Yeah, exactly. And it's interesting that Pharaoh determined he selected the daughter of a priest in Egypt and gave him then to Joseph in marriage and then continuing in verse 46 Joseph is now 30 years old.
1: Yeah, 30. And, and I mean, when you think about it, he started this at 17. He's now 30 years. 13 years have gone by. And now another seven years are going to go by as they gather food for these seven years of abundance. So, so much grain was stored that it couldn't be counted, the, the text says. So God blessed Joseph with two sons before the famine. And we've said this before in, in some of our times together. Names have meaning. And the names of these two sons are Manasseh and Ephraim. The names have important meaning because Joseph called the firstborn Manasseh, for he said, God has made me forget all my hardship and all my father's house. Mm-hmm. The firstborn is, is a look back and saying, mm-hmm. that this happened, this was bad that happened in, in my father's house, but now God has made me forget that. and And that's crucial for the story going forward. But the name of the second child, he called Ephraim, for God has made me fruitful in the land of my afflictions. And, and Joseph has been fruitful. He was fruitful in Potiphar's house. Right. He, he was fruitful when he was imprisoned. He, he was given authority all over all the prison and the prisoners. And now he's being fruitful in Pharaoh's courts. And in all these situations, he's saying, God has done this. God has made me yeah, fruitful. He's acknowledging God. Mm. And, and these names of his son are hopeful. Mm. They, they speak both of his hard past and his present fruitfulness.
0: Yeah, and what a <laughs> I I I love even that. You know, you think he's... He's in this position of power. He now has an Egyptian woman as a wife. He now has two sons. Um, I think, you know, for a man to have his first two children born be sons is is such a blessing and that hope, as you said, Walt. And after the 13 difficult years, he's now walking through these seven very fruitful years as the abundance, the crops are amazing, and they're collecting them.
1: And remember, both times when he names these boys, he names them with the thought that God has made me, Hmm. that God has made me, that God hasn't forgotten me and he hasn't forgotten the hardships, that God is still there, but he's made me fruitful in this land of my affliction. I, I love that phrase. Yeah,
0: I love that, that you pointed that out. Well, I hadn't seen that in 51 and in 52, these verses, God has made me forget my hardship, and then in 52, for God has made me fruitful. Wow, that's a great insight. Thanks for pointing that out. And I, and I just love Joseph is in this power of position after 13 very difficult years. He has an important job to do, and he is diligent in completing the task that has been assigned to him by Pharaoh. He answers to Pharaoh. God has blessed him with two sons. And so after seven years of plenty, the seven years of famine begin. So let's continue in verse 56. So when the famine had spread over the land, Joseph opened all the storehouses and sold to the Egyptians for the famine was severe in the land of Egypt. Moreover, all the earth came to Egypt to Joseph to buy grain because the famine was severe over all the earth. You know, this famine spread Far enough for God, for God, the sovereign hand of God to do what he needed to have done. Others were coming into Egypt to purchase the grain they needed. And now we go to Genesis 42, verse 1, because Jacob and his family are being affected by this great famine. And we read here in verse 1, when Jacob learned that there was grain for sale in Egypt, he said to his sons, "Why do you eat? why are you looking at one another? We're hungry. You know, we we need bread.
1: Get to work."
0: Yes, and he said, "Behold, I've heard that there's grain for sale in Egypt. Go down, go to Egypt, buy grain for us that we may live and not die." And verse 3 in Genesis 42, so 10 of Joseph's brothers went to buy grain in Egypt.
1: Yeah, the 10 that had sold Mm. Joseph... Into slavery with traders that are that took him to Egypt, and now they have to go to Egypt for help and and just to survive. And the biblical text is clear about these ten brothers. Um, we're told these details that it's just the ten that they have a younger brother, but he doesn't come. And and there, um, the Bible says in verse four, Jacob did not send Benjamin Joseph's brother with his brothers, his other ten. For he feared that harm might happen to him. Thus the sons of Israel came to buy for the famine was in the land of Canaan. And even as they get there, this, this story continues to just have these turns and almost whiplash. It, Joseph is now the governor over the land and, and he's selling grain to all the people. And, and Joseph's brothers come and they bow themselves down before him with their faces to the ground. And Joseph recognized them. But they did not recognize him because the text says he disguised himself. And in fact, he treated them like strangers and he spoke roughly to them through a translator. And at this point, the text says, Joseph remembered his dreams, those dreams back that got him in trouble with those brothers, bowing down before him. And here they are. I I, I wonder what Joseph, who's interpreted dreams his whole life, is now saying, hey, this one's came true also. (laughs) And he said to them, you're spies. You've come to see the nakedness of the land, where the land's not protected, where there's not army in place. And they said to him, no, my Lord, your, your servants have come just to buy food. We are all sons of one man. We are honest men. Your servants have never been spies. And they said, We, your servants, are twelve brothers, the sons of one man in the land of Canaan. And behold, the youngest is this day with our father, and one is no more. And, and just interesting is he, they're telling Joseph he's no more. And then he looked at his ten older brothers it's now 20 years since they have sold him into slavery, at least 20 years, because the seven years of plenty had come and, and gone. And now it's the, these, these hard years. I We don't know exactly what year it in, is into this, but probably a year. And Joseph, and when he's saying that you're spies, he said, I'll, t- I'll test you. Um, you go back from this place and and bring your youngest brother here. Send one of you and let him bring your brother while you remain confined. And then he places them together in custody for three days. And at the end of that third day, Joseph said, Do this and you will live, for I fear God. That's a key phrase right there in, in verse 18. If you are honest men, let one of your brothers remain confined here in custody, and let the rest go and carry grain for the famine of your household, and bring your youngest brother to me, so that your words will be verified and you shall not die. And and even as I think about this, Joseph told them, do this and you will live, for I fear God. And after all these years, Joseph fears the God of his father Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Joseph fears God above his desire for vengeance above his desire to to be able to say ha 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 look what i look what god's done to me and look what he's done to you
0: yeah and i have to ask myself the question as as you're sharing that do this and you will live for i fear god how quickly do i become discouraged or di- or even begin to doubt whether god's really paying attention When I'm in a hard circumstance, you know, here's the truth. He's in our midst. Even when we don't see it, he's working. He is a sovereign God. He's making the plan. Joseph wanted information about his father, he wanted to see his younger brother, Benjamin. And so Joseph had to make sure that these brothers would return to Egypt again. The brothers talked among themselves. We're guilty concerning the brother we sold into slavery. They didn't realize that Joseph understood what they were saying. And the years of the famine continued as Joseph kept Simeon and bound him. He filled their bags with grain and he replaced every man's money in his sack. But as the famine continued... Joseph waited in Egypt, Simeon was bound, and the nine brothers went back. Friends, you know, life's journeys take many twists and turns, unexpected joys and difficulties, but we do not walk alone. We serve a sovereign God, a God who sees us. He walks beside us. He's always working out the details of his plan for you and for me. And friends, no matter what you may be facing today, it is our prayer that you will continue to walk with God. Thank you for joining us as we walk with God. This is Brenda McCord. Walt and I are thankful for this opportunity to participate with the Awakening in America and outreach of the Himmelreich Memorial Christian Library.